Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, I'm just gonna, I don't know, you guys already know that I'm crazy, right? So I'm just gonna be crazy for a second, and I'm gonna just say some things in faith. And um, all you have to do is sit there and just say, Lord, that's me. I receive it. But I'm, I, I just feel this. God, God, God is here to heal people today. There are people that are struggling with cancer. There are people that are struggling emotionally. There are people, like I am telling you, God is here to heal. So, man, if, if you're going through cancer, there are people in this room that are going through cancer or have gone through cancer. God wants to heal you. It's not going to come back in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Jesus says four times in three chapters, ask anything in my name, it will be done. You know, in, in hermeneutics, when God starts repeating things, you got to pay attention. And hermeneutics is how to study the Bible. And when Jesus starts saying stuff like in John chapter 15, you, you've asked me for things up to this point, but now you can ask the Father directly in my name, and he'll do it. And I'm telling you, in the mighty name of Jesus, cancer is going to be healed. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, like depression is going to turn to joy in the name of Jesus. Inadequacy is going to turn to confidence in the name of Jesus. Anxiety is going to turn to peace in the name of Jesus. You are not that. And we're going to just get into it here in a second. I'm, I'm, I might just start preaching and you guys are just going to have to shut down and go off. And you guys did a great job. But you are not what the enemy's attacking you with. The enemy has been trying to tell you that's who you are. You can be seated. The enemy has been trying to tell you that's who you are. That's what you are. You are the sum of this attack. The enemies have been attacking identity. He's been attacking um, you physically. And he's been calling you all by all sorts of different things. But I'm telling you, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Oh, man. Who can believe with me that God's going to move? Yeah. Yeah. Just raise your hand real quick. Um, this is not my notes or anything. I'm, I'm just Raise your hand if you need healing in your physical body. All right, we're not going to go around, lay hands, and do all this stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. Raise your hand if you know someone who needs healing in their physical body. All right, you see this. All right. Man, this last week, um, God doesn't have to be present to show up. We don't have to be present for God to show up. That's what I meant to say. Woo, that's a... No, yeah, let's correct that instantly. This last week, Pastor Andy's grandma, she went in for a standard procedure in and out just to clean a port, and um, she flatlined. They lost her vitals for uh, six minutes, and the church started praying. We started praying, and, man, um, the Lord told me. She said, she's going to make it through this. It's going to be fine. And the Lord gave Pastor Andy a piece about it. And, and they brought her vitals back. And she's at home. This, this happened Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, Tuesday. She's at home now. Like she's out of ICU. She's fine. Because God hears. I mean, she literally died. God brought her back. Come on. Praise God. <laughs> the same God that did that can heal you, 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 and can heal you. And like there was hands that went up. Like almost everyone's hands went up. We're going to pray. We don't have to be present for God to show up. But God can do it. And there's something powerful about prayer. And we're going to stand in who God says we are. He gives us authority to heal the sick. 
Father, I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. You saw every hand. You saw every sickness that was represented in this room. But Lord Jesus, we know that in your presence, you drive out sickness. Every affliction has to bow before who you are. You are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus. I rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. I rebuke lung conditions in the name of Jesus. I rebuke heart conditions in the name of Jesus. I rebuke skeleton conditions in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, and we speak healing from the top of head to the soles of feet. Let there be a, a physical difference. Lord, not just, not, not just a, oh, I, I receive it. But Lord, let there be a, a, a burning. Let there be a, a physical difference. Let there be proof, oh God. And Lord, we receive this. We command healing in the mighty name of Jesus over every person. I praise your name, Jesus. I lift you up, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we stand in agreement and we tell you, affliction, you are not welcome. We tell you, cancer, get lost. Get out in the name of Jesus. Depression, you have no authority. We won't listen to your lies anymore. Fear, get out in the name of Jesus because God's here. I thank you, God. Amen. Amen. I look forward. When God shows up, you have an obligation to tell us so we can glorify the name of Jesus. We want to shout these stories from the, like, man, we just want to, we want to give God all the glory because that's what he does. Today, um, I have a two-hour message. I'm going to whittle down to 20 minutes, and I'm just joking. I do have some really cool news. Like, today is a day of good news. There's going to be people healed in this room. Um, Pastor Andy and Jesse's here. We're excited for that. And on top of all this, I know that God is doing something in C1 Church. You can't tell me this because... Are you guys ready for this? I, I, I just need you guys to warm up your hands real quick because you're going to need to clap. Okay, I know, I know, I know you guys are just a quiet church. But we're Pentecostal, okay? Come on. Yeah, yes, there you go. We are down. I, I told, I, I, I intentionally didn't have them say anything because I wanted to say it. Like they get the credit every week to tell you guys about Finish Strong. Well, I'm like, I want to say it. We are down. Throw it up there. $15,000. Come on. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is showing up and showing out. Like, that's, uh, that's like $50,000 since May. Something like that. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm telling you. We're about to kick this. And know why this is so exciting? It's because of the doors it opens for us. It, it opens doors to do more ministry. We have, we have things, I have things in the back burners of my brain that I haven't told the board because I don't want to scare them yet. How to reach into the, the community. But I'm excited. And I've been waiting for this number to be at zero. Get ready because... We're going to Pentecostal party when that thing's gone. Just get ready. It's okay. Jesus went to parties in the New Testament. There's a precedence in Scripture for it. Um, we won't be busting out wine, though. We're not that, we're not that crazy. But All right. We're launching into a new series called Identity Crisis. And um, this is uh, something that's kind of been burning into my mind for a while because honestly I feel I feel like the enemy is going after each and every one of our identities. He wants us to put our identity in something other than Christ. He wants to steal our identity. He wants us to identify in a different way. Our our our, our nation's going crazy with identity. Like you we could go off in the whole like people don't know what gender they are. We we could go off into like people, 
our nation is in an identity crisis. We have Christians who I identify first as Americans, then Christians, or um, Democrats, or um, white or black or Hispanic. We, we, we have a lot of things that tug at our identity, okay? Um, Republican. Let's just hit it all. Right? What else can we? Um, evidently, gender. Uh, the enemy likes to identify us by our sin, um, flavor of the month, whatever sin you, you, you guys have, deal with, whatever. He likes to call you by that. Um, we're in an identity crisis. Our nation is. And it's a crazy bad thing when the enemy comes at Christians to get our identity confused. And how does he do it? He does it subtly. He does it real subtly. He likes to put things right in front of Christ, like I'm an American Christian. Well, that doesn't sound too bad, right? I'm an American that's a Christian. That sounds right, right? But it's not. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm sold out to Jesus that happens to be an American. Because when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches that our citizenship actually changes. We are citizens of heaven that lives on earth. And the enemy, though, he likes to get that national pride in us. And I think the reason why this is so timely is because I would venture to say every person in this room loves our nation. I love the United States of America. I love the fact that I can own as many guns as I want and shoot stuff. Stuff, I said. Stuff. Some of you guys have thought about shooting. I'm not going to say that because it's going to go on the Internet. But I'm just saying, wow, did he just do that? I did. The... Last time I said the real pastor will be back next week, Amy was preaching the next week, and she says, I'm here. And I was like, oh, she. So. But today I want to launch into the book of Daniel. And we're not going to go verse by verse through Daniel. We're going to kind of hit snapshots of the book of Daniel because Daniel covers a wide variety of things. Like the last half of the book is all end-time prophecy. And um, I'm not going to get into that. But I do want to get into where Daniel and the three Hebrew children placed their identity and how that shaped their life and how they responded to government. Because right now... I'm just, we live in the most blessed nation on earth, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, this is not a political message, but our government is, is, is doing things, and how, as a Christian, we need to answer these questions, how, as a Christian, do we respond? How do we do that? We need to answer these questions. I've heard, I've, 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 I've seen so many responses and how most people want to respond. They, I mean, some people want another American Revolution. Some people want, I mean, like, it's crazy. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, how should we respond to government? And it has everything to do with our identity. Okay? And so... The Bible tells us multiple times throughout the New Testament, it says, submit to every governing authority. Oh, that's, oh, mm. does it say that? Yeah. Multiple times. Submit to, like Romans chapter 13. Submit to every governing authority, for all authority comes from God. Oh, no, God, why did he have to go off and say stuff like that? But, Here's the kicker. Here's the clause. Because we know the apostles submitted to every governing authority. 
to the point where they allowed themselves to get arrested. But with that said, they didn't, sum, they didn't submit when the governing authority trespassed God's authority. So because all authority comes from God, if this authority under God, the government, violates his authority, so who do we submit to? God. That's why Paul kept preaching the gospel. That's why Peter and John kept preaching the gospel. Because the commands of Christ to preach the gospel superseded the commands not to preach the gospel because it came from God. So when government and authorities above us violate the commands to preach the gospel, we got to submit to God on that issue. All the other issues, we probably have to submit to the government. But if they say, you can't preach the gospel, what did Peter and John say? Well, who are we supposed to listen to, you or God? Daniel finds himself in this position multiple times. And this is kind of an intro, but we know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We know the story of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Both of those were issues where they had to submit to God and deal with the consequences. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative against our government. I, I, I think, though, I've seen so many people. We need to pray this administration out of office. I'm not saying that. I've seen that. No, we need to pray for this administration's salvation. They need Jesus. We are the church of the living God placed on earth to preach the gospel to the lost. And if you see someone who is wicked or clearly not following Jesus, then it's our job. If we can't be directly involved in sharing the gospel, we need to pray that God sends someone to share the gospel. Because our sole purpose as a church of the living God is to get the gospel out of these four walls. He entrusted us. Like he could have sent angel armies to preach the gospel, but no, he trained up 12 followers to train up the church and God multiplied it. So that's why we have to be a Christian first. And when we're a Christian first, that means we can cross party lines. We can cross racial lines. We can cross all those lines and say God loves you and he cares for you. He wants a relationship with you. And we don't see those lines as lines because we're here to preach the gospel. But when we start putting anything above Christian, then we start seeing people differently. And we can't be an identity crisis. Not, not, not C1, not the church as a whole, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not responsible for the church as a whole. I'm responsible for you guys, and you guys are awesome. And I just, I want us, because it's real tempting, it's real tempting to have stuff just like, oh man, remember it's, not the Holy Constitution. It's the Holy Bible that has authority over our lives. Where is this going, Ryan? We're going to get to it. And we're going to talk about how we need to root our identity in God today. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 1. If you're wondering where that's at, it's right in front of Daniel chapter 2. And the book of Daniel is right after the book that's in front of it. I don't, it's one of the prophets. I don't know. So I don't have the books of the Bible memorized. Turn with me to the book of Hezekiah. I'm joking. That's not in the Bible. I know that. It should be, though, right? Okay, let's go. I'm going to get myself in trouble. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim and of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar took them 
back to the land of Babylon or, and place them in the treasure house of his God. So I want you to understand what just happened. Let's stop there for a moment. It says, the Lord gave him victory. Who did, who did God give victory to? Was it the king of Judah, the Israelite? Or was it the Babylonian? The Lord gave victory to King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian. And he allowed Judah to be taken captive. And he allowed thousands, tens of thousands of um, Israelites out of Judah to be taken captive. And so, like it says, he gave him victory. And then it says that he, he let them take so, God gave victory to the enemy. Then, then God let him take some of the sacred objects from the temple. And so, when I say earlier, if you're going through it, it had to go through God first to get to you. He allowed his people, the chosen people from which the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world would come out of, to go into exile why? Because they weren't worshiping him. He told them, hey, if you guys don't worship me, this is going to happen. He told them that hundreds of years before this, but they kept turning away. They kept worshiping other gods, and this is what happened. God said, I'm going to raise up a nation, and he's going to give, he's going to let them win. And so you might be going through something right now, and, and this is not my notes, but I'm telling you, God is allowing it to happen for a reason. Whether the season, and God will get you through it. They were only in exile for 70 years. And then God, in fact, everything that, the king, that, that he took was given back and got put back in the temple. And, like, and God raised up a nation and made it stronger. So God wastes nothing. Even an attack from the enemy, God doesn't waste. Even an attack on your health, God doesn't waste. Even an attack on your emotions, God doesn't waste. He doesn't waste anything. Let's keep going. Then king, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He said, select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Well, Andy, that disqualifies us. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and, um, from, and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years. Then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. So the enemy of Israel, he came in, what John 10.10 10 says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He still kills and destroys. And, and the, they stole these young men from their homes. And we know that Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we know that these were godly men. Like, they're some of the few that actually worship God and, can, and love God in Israel, and he still allowed them to be captured. Not just that, like, there's so much that goes with being captured by the Babylonians, but then on top of that, to add insult to injury, um, he's like, okay, we don't like your names, so we're going to change your identity. And on top of that, when you go into the king's service, they make them eunuchs. Like, there is a lot taken away from these men. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined 
not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered you to eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please let us, for ten days, please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, Daniel and his free three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. I have two thoughts for you today. When we talk about identity, when we talk about identity crisis, the first thought is our enemy will always attack our identity. We've already got into that, but he will. Our enemy will always attack our identity. Like, here's the crazy thing is, the enemy knows your name, and he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, and he calls you by your name. Because God, a relationship with God always speaks identity to you. Daniel and the three Hebrew children had names, they served God. What is the first thing that they tried to do to him? Rename them. Take away their heritage. Take away their identity. And they gave them a name by the enemy. That was a um, Belshazzar. That is a Babylonian name. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those are Babylonian names. Those are names foreign to the Hebrews. This probably has something to do with their gods. And so the enemy will always attack your identity. And how does that look for us? How does that look for us? How do we know when the enemy is attacking us? Like there are, there are some things, and this is not a sure way because I talk to myself. How many of you guys talk to yourselves? Okay, you guys are all crazy just like me. So, but I'm in good company. But I I notice when the enemy's attacking me, it sounds a lot like me, but I know that it's not me. Because he'll start saying, Ryan, you're such an idiot. Sometimes I actually do call myself an idiot, like when I drop a nut down into the engine. Yeah, that's accurate. Right? But he'll call you, he'll call you idiot, he'll call you failure, he'll call you what your sin is. You're, you're such an addict, you're such a what, whatever, name it. You're so inadequate, you can't lead, you can't pastor, you don't know what you're doing. Like, suddenly, 
The enemy wants to sneak in there and give you a new identity. And, he, and, he, and he's so subtle, he sounds like you. But whenever, how I identify the enemy is it takes away the identity God gave me. He always will always attack the identity that God's given you. So if he's saying you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything, you can't do blah, blah, blah. Well, what does God say about you? Well, you're more than a conqueror through Christ. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are healed by God. He'll say, oh, no, no, you're, you're, uh, you're just a cancer victim. That's not who you are. No, you're healed and you're whole because of Christ. That's what you need to declare over you because that is your identity in Christ. God doesn't want to see you. God doesn't want to hear you. God's silent. Oh, no, 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 no. God, God loves you endlessly. God sees you entirely and loves you entirely. The enemy comes in, though, and he tries to give us a new name. Throughout my teen years, he said, you're such a hypocrite. He still calls me that. You're a hypocrite. No, I'm not. I love Jesus. And guess what? I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? I still make mistakes and sin. What? How can an ordained pastor from the assemblies of God sin? Oh, gosh, we've had pastors that haven't sinned in 15 years. Not me. Not me. I'm, I'll have, I might have a good week every now and then, but I'll lose my temper. I'll, I'll uh, give in to pride. Or I'll, who knows, I'll stub my toe and, Think of words that aren't inspired of the Holy Spirit. What? You, can, you do that? Because I'm, I'm a broken person too. I don't say them. I just think of them, okay? Gosh, judging me. I, I will invite you guys to kick this corner right here. <laughs> and tell me if you guys don't think of words that aren't inspired by the Holy Spirit... In the sanctuary of God, I've been walking through here and praying. I'll take my shoes off sometimes and have my eyes closed, walking by faith in this. Woo! There's nothing that will quench the spirit more than a broken toe. But our enemy will take, he will take, and he'll say, you're a hypocrite. Do you know what you just thought? Or do you know what you just said? Do you know what you just did? That's who you are. But if it contradicts who God says you are in Christ, it's a lie. I love, you notice that this is not called the book of Belshazzar. It's called the book of Daniel. Know why it's called the book of Daniel? There is one verse... In this entire book, there, there, I'm truly, I truly believe, um, verse 8, can you throw verse 8 up? This is why, this is why this book is in the Bible. This is why we know about Daniel. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Daniel was determined, you might call me something. You might come at me with a different name. You might try to give me another identity. You can call me Belshazzar all you want, but my identity is in Jehovah God. I am who he says I am, and I will not be defiled by you. Because Daniel took a stand. He knew where his identity was. Satan wants to, he wants to change what you're called. 
He wants you to identify as your struggle. You, he might say, you're just, uh, uh, I don't even know what a person that struggles with depression is. A person that struggles, like uh, a depressant? I don't know, that's a drug. Um, but he, he wants to call you like, oh, dude, you're just an anxious person. You're just a depressed person. He wants to call you an addict. He wants to call, I mean, like, dude, he wants to call you that. And on top of that, this is something, Daniel was determined not to defile himself. Like, the enemy wants to change what you're consuming. The king, not, he didn't just want to change Daniel's name. He wanted to change his practices. He wanted to change his, his whole uh, nationality. He didn't want him to identify as a Hebrew anymore or an Israelite. He wanted him to identify as a Babylonian. He wanted to change everything about Daniel. But Daniel's like, I refuse. And the three Hebrew children was, I refuse to defile myself. I'm not changing what I consume based on you. And that's where the enemy's attacking the church today. He's attacking you guys and myself with what we consume. We've replaced the word of God with scriptural memes on Instagram and Facebook. Don't get me wrong. I put those out all the time. But that is not my Bible study. I get into the word of God. But he wants to change what you're consuming. If we're constantly watching the news, if we're constantly spending more time on TV, and there's nothing wrong with TV. I am a huge movie junkie. I love movies. I love entertainment. But when we, when we let that be what we consume, the priority of what we consume, it will change who we are. It, like, it, it, it literally... Daniel and the three Hebrews, I guess the four Hebrew children, they, they ate what God wanted them to eat. They would not violate the commands of God. They would not let them, their, their, what they're consuming be robbed. And guess what? They were healthier and they were stronger than, what, than all the other Hebrews that were eating the crap from the king's table. And it was good stuff, like bacon. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that Jesus said, don't call anything unclean. But I, like Jesus' cross, you want to know how powerful Jesus' cross is? Not only did he change us from death to life and gave us eternal life. Dude, he made bacon good. Like, that, that's a powerful cross, man. Because before he died, it wasn't good, evidently. But the enemy wants to change what you're consuming. And I love you guys. But we got to consume God's word. Jesus said, I, when, when, when he was talking to the woman at the well and they brought back food, and Jesus like, the disciples were telling Jesus, we have food for you now. Because he was famished. And Jesus said, I have food that you know nothing about. Jesus' food was obedience to God. He was consuming obedience to God. When he was tempted, the enemy tempted him with, turn the stone to bread. And, and he said, no man can live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Christians, fellow believers of Christ, what we have got to be consuming, we have got to be consuming the word of God, especially now Jesus is coming back and we need to know how to tell people about Jesus. We gotta be consuming this. This, I mean, almost more than what we need food physically, we need the word of God spiritually and physically and emotionally and every otherly. The Word of God changes every aspect of our life. It can literally sustain us every time. But the enemy wants to substitute something inferior for the Word. And what else? We have got to be on our knees praying. Praying. Like we, we, we have a prayer, prayer night every first and third Wednesday of the month. 
and, and I will keep pushing it, but I, will ne I never want people guilted, but we have got to pray. As a church, you don't have to be here to pray. I pray that you pray at home. I pray that, you know what I'm saying? Like, but there's something about praying and bringing our nation before God, bringing our, our families and then this community before God that changes things. That changes things. But the enemy wants to change what we consume. We need to be consuming the word. We need to be consuming prayer. We need to be consuming meditation with God. But what, what do we consume? I, I can tell you what I consume. I don't know about you. You guys are way more holy than me. Um, but I, I consume Facebook probably too much. The Lord's been really saying, you need to fast Facebook, and I'm about to. I've been, um, been consumed on YouTube too much. Um, because I, I, honestly, I like to watch videos about four-wheel drive trucks, by golly. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, if it takes away my time with God, he wants to change it. You know, four-wheel drive trucks don't save my soul. It doesn't make me closer to God. It just makes me, it does make me pray more. Lord, please give me a truck. He hasn't yet. And that might tell me something. The enemy wants to change our identity. He wants to change what we're consuming. And what's crazy is when we start consuming things other than the word of God, we actually 100% lose discernment. We can't discern truth from a lie. We start buying into what the news is saying instead of saying, no, no, this is not right. The word of God and the spirit of God gives us discernment to know how we should act, how we should pray, how we should move forward, how we should. And when we consume other things, we actually make ourselves less healthy and less able to do what God has for us to do. Daniel and his friends consumed vegetables and water, and somehow God blessed that. And he made them healthier, and he made them stronger, because they did not defile themselves with the stuff that was unacceptable to God. Now that we got Satan in our crosshairs, let's pull the trigger. I don't like to talk about him more than what I should. So we got him in our crosshairs. We got his game plan. This is what he likes to do. Change what we're called, change our identity, and what we're consuming. So when our identity is rooted in God, that's my second thought. I'm going to give you three thoughts under this. I told you this is a three-hour message. So um, when our identity is rooted in God, throw it up there. God gives us confidence to stand. When our identity is rooted in God, God gives us confidence to stand. When you know who your God is and who you are in God, you can say, no, I will not do that. And you can not feel bad about it. I just had a conversation with the missionary, and he asked me to do something. I said, no, I'm good. It wasn't because it was a bad thing. I just didn't feel led by the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's okay. And he wasn't trying to guilt me or anything, but it was just... It allows you to say no when you know where you stand. Because at the end of the day, you don't answer to people. You answer to God. And so when our identity is rooted in God, it gives us confidence to stand. It says in verse 8, Daniel refused to defile himself. And this, this right here is, this is the theme verse of the book of Daniel. He refused to bow and like, he refused to stop praying. They said, don't pray to any other God but the king. And he said, I'm going to go open my windows to Jerusalem and I'm going to pray. And I will not stop praying. And because he violated the law, he was thrown in the lion's den. And guess what? Because he stood, God gave him unmerited favor. He stood here and God he said, I'm not going to do this, but God made a way for him 
because he stood. When, when our identity is rooted in God, God, Daniel knew. He's like, you can call me Belshazzar all you want, but my identity is not in Babylonia. My identity is not Babylonian. I am a Hebrew. I am a child of the Most High God. My name is Daniel, and I refuse to violate God's word. And God gave him favor. The second thing, when our identity is rooted in God, God gives us unearned favor. You don't have to. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to plead for it. When, you, when, you, when your identity is rooted in God, because you, you know who your God is, you know what, how God is, you know um, that you're his kid, God blesses his kids. God blesses his kids. And you don't have to plead for it. You don't have to beg for it. He just wants to bless you. It, like, it says, um, can you go to verse number 9, I believe? Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. God gave. Daniel didn't have to do anything. Daniel just showed up. But because Daniel made a stand, because Daniel said, I refuse to bow because his identity was in Christ, his identity was in God, God gave him unearned favor. And on top of that, when our identity, this is just three things I'm just pulling right out of this chapter. God gives us unmerited wisdom. What am I supposed to do, God? And we could get all anxious about things. We can get all worried about things. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to rob us of our peace. He wants to rob us of our joy. He wants to use circumstances to pull us out of our identity in Christ. And, and, but here's the thing. Daniel, Daniel and the three Hebrew children just kept God first. They never, ever, ever let the enemy redefine who they were to them. You can't control what people will call you. I want you to understand that. I've been called a lot of things. I can't control what, I can't control what you guys think of me. And i got to be honest for a moment, which I've been honest this whole time. So I'm going to be more honest for a moment. I want you guys to like me, but I don't care if you do. I love each and every one of you, but at the end of the day, if I'm worried about that, that will rob me of my identity. And Daniel was like, I don't care if the king likes me. I'm not going to let my identity change because my identity is rooted in God. And because of that, God gives unmerited wisdom. It says that Daniel and the three Hebrew children were ten times, ten times more helpful to the king than all of his advisors. That's only from God. That's only from God. And, um, Ben, if you will, you can't, you can't get wisdom any other way. It's God. The world's wisdom doesn't offer peace. The world's wisdom doesn't get you to places you shouldn't be. The, world, the world's wisdom is actually fear that masquerades as wisdom, and it never moves mountains. But God's wisdom, it gives you access to places you shouldn't go. God's wisdom opened doors that you can't open. God's wisdom. And God gave Daniel unmerited wisdom and the three Hebrew children. And on top of that, he gave Daniel this ability to to interpret dreams and visions, which will be very helpful at what we talk about next week. And so what I'm getting at is in a season in our history that there has been more identity issues then I can't to I can't I don't even know how many official genders there are anymore. I, I say quotations. There's obviously two, what God gives us, but people are struggling with identity. But that can't be so in the in the church. We've got to be so rooted in God that no matter what the enemy calls us, we say, No, I, I'm rooted in who God says I am. And when we get rooted in that. Look out. 
look out, man, we're going to have confidence to stand and say, you know what, you can call me that, but God loves you, and I'm not going to be pushed over because of that. You might say, I can't do this, but God told me to preach the gospel, so I will. You might, you might be wondering, how am I going to make it through this? When your identity is in Christ, favor is going to be there. You don't have to worry about how you're going to make it because God's going to give you favor. He just will because you're his kid. Well, Pastor Ryan, I, I've messed up. I've done a lot of stupid things. How can God's favor rest on me? Well, the good news is it's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did for you. You know, Daniel was in exile, not because of something he did, but because of something his people did. His people turned their back on God, but God never turned his back on them. They were still God's children, even in Babylon. God knew exactly where they were. It says God gave Nebuchadnezzar victory. God let him, like, God let him. God, God wasn't like, oh, snap, what, what just happened? Like, I didn't see that coming. Where, Nebuchadnezzar came out of nowhere. No, it was God. I, I think some of us, we write ourselves out of God's identity too easily. We let the enemy convince us that we're no longer children or God doesn't want anything to do with us because of our past, because of our struggles, because of what we've done. I remember, being a dad has really helped me understand this, but I, I remember the story um, from my childhood. I was about nine years old. And it's such a practical illustration of how God sees you. I was going to Harrison First Assembly of God, and we just moved from California to Arkansas. And where I lived in California, it was flat. It was orchard country. You could watch your dog run away for three weeks. It was, we, I had a flat neighborhood. I, I wore rollerblades. I was, like The opening scene of Mighty Ducks 2 was my life in California, just rollerblading everywhere. And when we moved to Arkansas, I didn't have anywhere to rollerblade. I loved rollerblading. And so the only time I could rollerblade was on Sundays. So they had a potluck at church. I would rollerblade around the parking lot because the parking lot went all the way around the church. I would just rollerblade. But they had this awning drop-off, kind of like what we have here. And out of that awning drop-off, there was a really steep hill. And so the rule was that I could not go down that hill. I had to go around that hill. You guys probably already know what's, what's coming. Because at the end of that hill, there was a perp, like it, it ended, and there was a building, like a huge shed, and you had to turn left or right. And the flow track always turned left and everything. And so this teenager that was probably like 14 years old, he told me that he was faster than me on rollerblades, and he had a skateboard. I said, so let's race. Being the nine-year-old that I was, I'm like, you're not going to, you are not. You, you can't challenge me like that. I knew what my dad and my mom said, don't go down that hill. That's against the rules. If they caught me on it. It was just like I would get a spanking and my rollerblades taken away, you know, that type of stuff. Um, the stuff that we can't do anymore, evidently, that I still do because um, I love my children. But he... We, we, we got lined up. He's on a skateboard. And by golly, I took off. I was like, because whenever you're rollerblading, you push off to the side, and I'm going as hard as I can. And I beat him. But I looked up, and I, I never wore a helmet a day in my life. I want you to understand. like, <laughs> So you can understand why the scar makes sense, brain surgery, all this stuff. But I'm trying to turn. I'm doing the whole leg over leg thing to turn and it's not enough I'm going too fast I smack into this building like just uh, Wiley Coyote smack 
and then it's about a four foot gap of dirt and I stumble backwards and I fall backwards and hit my head on the concrete and I'm like out of it him being on a skateboard he was able to jump off and run and not get hurt well they ran into this potluck and grabbed my dad and my mom and they said I don't something to the effect of we think Ryan's dead that's not what you lead with when you tell a, a parent about their child And my, my pastor, Pastor Hodges, and my dad, pastor went and got his vehicle, and he's speeding around the parking lot. My dad runs to me and scoops me up, and he says, Ryan, Daddy's here. Daddy's here. Wake up, buddy. Wake up. And I'm like, Dad, I just, I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep. And, and he's like, no, 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 buddy, buddy, daddy's here. Daddy's here. Wake up, wake up. And he's just hugging me and he's kissing me. My dad is not like a kisser. Um, and he's just, daddy's here. Wake up, buddy. Come on, wake up. You're tougher than this. And he's speaking identity into me. He says, Ryan, he's Ryan, Ryan, wake up, wake up. Come on. And I'm just out of it. I was like, yeah, I, I just want to sleep, dad. I just leave me alone. And he's like, dad, daddy's here. Ryan, Ryan, come on, bud. You're my daddy's little helper, you know, and he's speaking that into my life, and I remember it so clearly. And, yes, I had a concussion, a pretty bad one, actually. I got out of school, and I got to eat a lot of Jello. So if you have any kids and you, they want out of school, hit them in the No, don't hit them in the head. I'm just joking. Don't do that. That's horrible. Um, even though I want you to get this, even though I broke his rule, My dad, I was laying at the bottom of that hill that was off limits. He walked up on me knowing what just happened. Because they told him, we raced down the hill. And guess what my dad called me? He didn't say, you rule breaker. He didn't say, I told you not to go down that hill. I told you not to do that. No, he spoke identity into me. Even though he knew my transgression, he cared more about me than what I just did. And God does the same for you. He cares more about who you are. He cares more about what he can do through you and the plans that he has for you than the transgressions that you've done in your past. He sees them, but he speaks identity. He called, my dad called me by my name. Just because I broke a rule, he still called me Ryan. My name did not change because I broke my dad's rule. My name is still Ryan Crandall Tatham to this day. And I broke a lot of my dad's rules. I've done a lot of stupid things. But it never changed my identity. And I'm here to tell you today God's identity for you is greater than what you give it credit for. And how I want to respond today is we're going to take a moment and recognize what he did to give us this identity. We're going to take communion. And so what we do is we're going to just take a moment. We're going to stand. You're going to come get your communion cup. And what we're going to do is we're going to take it and we're going to recognize the price that God paid to give us our identity in him. And I'm going to pray that as we take communion, that God reestablishes and reroutes his, what he says about you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're more than a conqueror. You are loved by God, not labeled by man. And what we're going to do, we're going to walk out of here after taking communion, and you're going to just know the, the favor of God's on you because you're his. You're his. Let's, let's stand. Let's grab some communion.
get started on the bread if you want. It takes a second. You almost have to have an engineering degree to get it open. I took communion this week, and I'm not going to lie. I got so frustrated, I went and threw one of the cups away, and I went and got another cup because I couldn't get the stinking bread out. It's like, Lord, that's clearly not your body and and blood. That, that, That particular cup. There's a lot of theology and doctrine that says what this represents. But when Jesus broke bread and took it with his disciples, it's interesting that he said, this is my body. This is my blood. And we always say Jesus didn't miss words. There's a weightiness to this. Jesus' body was scourged, beaten, nailed to a Roman cross, so we don't have to be. And because of that, his stripes heal our body. And so I just, I want us to make that declaration today. Let's just say together, Jesus, your stripes heal my body. I thank you, Jesus. And what I would like you to do, let's just take a moment and let's pray for people that you know that need physical healing. If it's yourself, pray for yourself. But let's pray for people that you know need physical healing as we're holding up this bread. Because that's what Jesus' body affords us. It's not just healing for eternity. He heals us while, while here, we're here. He's, he, he had a precedence for that. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for people who need physical healing that aren't even in this room, Lord, I pray, Lord, for those in this room that need physical healing, Lord, your body heals our body. Your stripes heal our body. You hung on a cross. You were scourged for us in our place. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you were sin in our place so we can be righteousness in your place. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Let's partake. that Jesus' blood sets us free but we're also going to declare Jesus' blood gives us identity so let's just say let's just declare that together Jesus, your blood sets me free Jesus, your blood gives me identity and so what does his blood set us free from? it sets us free from the power of hell death the grave and sin, but it also sets us free from unforgiveness. It sets us free from bitterness. It sets us free from what the enemy says about us, false identity. And so let's just, um, if, if, you, if you're struggling, if you're having ill feelings towards someone, let's, let's pray and let's just call them out. Let's call blessing on them because Jesus' blood sets us free. If you're, if you're struggling with with sin, like a habitual sin. You know, just lift it up. God, you set me free. Let's declare it. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety and depression. Jesus, your blood sets us free. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you because your blood sets us free from everything this world brings at us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. You have rendered the enemy toothless. You have rendered his bite useless. Lord, you have rendered fear um, without a voice. Lord, I pray your name. Lord, I thank you that you give us a new identity because of your blood. Let's, Let's partake. And because communion 
is not a funeral, but a celebration. Let's worship Jesus because he's worthy. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, praise the name. Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great, great week.